Well, hey there, it's Matt, your friendly neighborhood student pastor, and welcome to uh, Wednesday Night Whenever, the podcast that brings you inside our student ministry here at Watson Baptist Church, located uh, in Watson, Louisiana. Thank you so much for being here, taking your time to just sit down with us and and study the word, um, you know, and, and that's exactly what happened this past Wednesday. You know, we we continued in our in our lesson looking at the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and you know, it's that the book of joy, right? You know, the 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 book of joy where, where Paul is writing from a jail cell with with joy. And so we're kind of exploring how how is he doing this? How does he have this joy um, you know, while in prison? And um and so this week we we kind of leaned into that a little bit more and 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 looked at that word rejoice or or joy. And, you know, and I said, you know, that, that here in Philippians that the use of that word joy and rejoice, they're used in every few paragraphs, um, you know. And, you know, Paul Paul says, you know, to rejoice often here. And and remember, you know, this joy, it, it's, it, it describes, you know, um, it, it's something that doesn't vanish with circumstances, but it lasts. And, um, and, so, and so here tonight, you know, we, we looked at... We looked at joy, you know, we looked at what it truly means, um, you know, to have joy, you know, despite the circumstances that we find ourselves in, despite, um, you know, the times where we have people in our life who are trying to steal our limelight, you know, how to have joy, you know, um, despite when, um, you know, persecution happens. And so that's that's what we, we looked at this evening. So I, I hope that you really zero in on um, your own life, you know, take into, take into account your own life as we, as we go through um, Philippians tonight, you know, what would it mean for you to have joy despite these things? But hey, you know what, I'm going to stop where I'm at and let's just go ahead and rewind it back to Wednesday night. All right, hopefully that's a every week thing, you guys leading worship. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thank you all. So welcome back to uh, Wednesday Night Refreshed. Um, you know, and that that's always my hope and prayer as we as we get into tonight. Uh, that, that when you leave here, that when you leave this place tonight, that you are refreshed. You know, that you've been refreshed through through worship of our Heavenly Father and, and that you're refreshed through the reading and studying of God's Word. Man, I'm really pumped about tonight. I really am. Um, because I'm 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 just I'm just so excited about what we're gonna be studying tonight. Um, but, uh, before we get into it tonight, I just wanted to ask, um, does anybody have any, cause we didn't really discuss this. Does anybody have any takeaways from, um, our, our first service Saturday? We had our first service Saturday this past Saturday and we got to go and, um, excuse me, and serve the, the people over at the family village, which is literally 10 minutes down the road. Um, but they help serve, um, local families and local foster families and they, they get in a bunch of stuff and then they go out and they give it away. And it's just, it's amazing. So does anybody have any takeaways from, from that? Yeah. No, I wasn't there and I'm really bummed out about it because I signed up and I was really pumped for the football game Friday. Yeah. And I knocked my voice out really bad. No, I know, man. It, it's all good. We, we missed, we missed y'all. Yeah. Yeah, I was here. Sean was in my driveway on his dirt bike. I wasn't in nice. your driveway. You I called me and then you pulled up to my driveway. Yeah. yeah. Well, does anybody have any, any like takeaways that were that was there? I mean, we definitely we definitely miss having you, and there will be more opportunity. I promise. We will have more serv- service Saturdays. But did did anybody have anything that that um, they really enjoyed or anything that really stuck out to them um, being there? 
Anything? Um, I know for me, um, you know, we, we actually got to serve with a, a lady just came, just came by. Um, I don't think she was, she had told anybody her name was Stacy. And she's actually a foster mom. And so she was actually, but, but she was giving up her time to kind of help sort everything and get everything sorted um, just to help other foster families and things like that. I thought that was really neat. That spoke kind of volumes just about how important, um, you know, the, the family village is to, to people. Um, you know, and so, and really just hearing the story of kind of how they came to be and things like that. Did you have anything to share from Saturday, Annie? No. No? It was really just fun watching y'all, watching y'all, uh, do the work. I mean, and working alongside of you. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Y'all were, y'all were like a machine. I mean, we got everything done. And so I'm just wanted to say that those of you that were there, I'm proud of you. Um, I, I can't wait to serve alongside of you again when we, we plan another service, uh, serve Saturday, which I think is going to be in November. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. But, uh, but hey, we're, tonight we're continuing in Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And, uh, and that's exactly how this book reads, by the way. It reads just like a warm letter to friends. Um, you know, it, it, remember, it was written to those who, who supported Paul, um, both financially and through prayer. And, you know, through partnering with him and sharing the gospel. And, and these were dearly loved friends of Paul who they were, they were really worried about him. You know, they were worried about him and his current predicament. Uh, his current predicament. They were worried because he was, remember, he was in jail. He was, he was in prison. Uh, and remember, that's something like last week I told you. Always keep that in the back of your mind as we go through Philippians. You know, always keep that in mind that where Paul is as he's pinning out this letter because um, it, this letter reads so joyful. It's, you know, and so warm. And it's almost, and it's, sometimes it's hard to remember. Paul is actually in, in prison while writing this. Um, and so kind of keep that in mind. But despite that fact, you know, we have these cheerful sounds coming from Paul's jail cell. You know, we have victory happening in that jail cell as God was using Paul's experience to actually advance the gospel. Um, you know, and, and you know, there were, there were guards there who were, um, who were Paul's captive audience to his ministry that were hearing the gospel. And their lives were being changed. They were being converted. And I mean, this, this is exciting stuff. It really is. I mean, it, it's, it's truly remarkable just how God's word um, moves and changes lives. And, um, and here, it, it's, just, it's just awesome. And I really hope this, is, this excites you because it should. I mean, the fact that, 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 that chains could hold Paul but not the gospel, right, in this, in this circumstance. You know, the, the fact that, that his experience was actually used to, to advance the gospel. And the fact is, you know, uh, that's still true today. You know, chains can't hold down, nothing can hold down the gospel message. I mean, think about it. They're, they're still, you know, it's, it's 2,000 years later, right? It's 2,000 years later, and the, and, and the gospel is still moving. It's still working. It's still changing lives today. It's still active even today, and, and that's just an amazing thing to think about. The same gospel that changed the lives of those guards is the same gospel that has changed your life in my life. And, and, and the, same, the same Holy Spirit that resides in Paul and gave him the motivation and, and, and the boldness to share that message also resides in us today as believers. That should give us joy, right? Well, today as we jump back into this, the most joy-filled book in the Bible, we see, we're going to see Paul's life philosophy and, and how it's one that, that we should all have as believers as well. We should adopt his, his kind of life philosophy here and because by, by living by it, we too can have this joy no matter what. But go ahead and, and turn your Bibles to um, Philippians chapter 1, verse, uh, we're going to look start at verse 18. 
as you're turning there, you know, I know we talk about joy a lot. And we, um, we discuss and talk about joy quite a bit. And, and just, just know when I bring up certain things or certain topics or words and, and talk about things more than once, um, I, I do so for two reasons. Number one, be, um, well, because I believe it's important. I believe it's, it's important um, and it's important for us to, to know and be reminded about these things. And with joy, we live in such a joyless world. I mean, truly, we do. We live in a, in a world that is broken. We live in a, a world that is, that is looking for happiness in all the wrong places most of the time. And, 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 um, and we live in a, in a world where, where joy kind of gets confused a lot of times with happiness. And, um, and, and, and so that's, it's, it's so important, I believe, that we kind of talk about joy because the culture that we're a part of and, and we live in is such a happiness-seeking one. And that, and that word joy gets thrown around so much that it becomes one of those words that's lost all meaning, right? Anybody else know a word that's lost all meaning that gets thrown around a lot? What? Hate. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Faith. Yeah. There we go. That's like the main, that's like the main one, you know. Psychopath. I hope it's not thrown around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some, there, definitely there were some words there that, that get, do get thrown around, kind of lose the meaning. But the biggest one I have to say is love, right? You know, you don't love pizza. You like pizza. You don't love naps. You like naps. Um, joy and, and happiness are different things like than you know, just like love and like. And so, and so that the number one, the, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, we talk about this so much is because it's important that we understand what it is and um, where to find it and how to share it. Uh, and then number two, I, I really just want y'all to understand certain things and take in certain things because this world preaches to you constantly um, the opposite, right? Um, and, and, you know, like, like, you know, how to, and so like uh, how to have joy, you know, but, but really the world preaches how to be happy. And that's, it's, that's just, it's different things. And so, uh, so God's word is the only place you're going to find the source of joy that you're going to be able to see how to have joy, no matter what circumstance you, you find yourself in. Um, you know, the world will say, Hey, you know, we have, uh, we, we just have to have uh, financial security, right. To, to be happy or to have joy, or we, we need to, we need to get that degree first and then we can have it or, um, you know, these are, these are, these are good things, but these aren't the source of joy. You know, we have, we have the, the word of God that, that tells us, uh, what joy is and where it's found. But that word, right, that word joy, it, it has this poignant ring to it, right? But like love, it's, it's totally been drained of, of meaning over the years. It's even been turned into the name for a dishwasher detergent, which by the way, I tried to find as an illustration. I don't know if they made it anymore because I went to Walmart and I went to Dollar Tree and I could not find joy. Imagine that. Um, right. Um, but today, you know, uh, joy is most commonly used for like a, a sensation, you know, like th- like a thrill. Think about it, you know, and, and you're, you're going to get asked this later in, in, in your small groups. But um, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear that word, when you hear the word joy? You know, because we often think of joy as something you have to save up for months to experience and, and, and then you just like splurge on, on like a moment of exhilaration. Um, like a trip to Disney World, right? A trip to Disney World where you ride, um, you know, the Tower of Terror or something equally heart-stopping, right? 
Uh, I can't remember what else they have there that's really heart-stopping. Um, or, or like a hot air balloon ride, or, which I would hate. Really? Okay. I guess that's heart-stopping. I don't know. Uh, bungee jumping, right? That's kind of thrilling. But... But as as we read through as we read through his letter to the church in Philippi, you know we see that Paul had a different understanding of the word. He shows us that we as believers we have a need to adopt his meaning as well. So let's go into our passage um, in Philippians chapter one, starting in verse eighteen. Let's let's read the verse twenty one, and then we're going to unpack it and look at three ways that we can rejoice as believers. Read with me, Philippians chapter one, starting in verse eighteen. It says, "What does it matter? Only that in every way." Whether from false, mo- fra- uh, rather from false motives are are true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Uh, pray with me real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, for the power that it is, for the fact that it still is changing lives 2,000 years later, God. And I just pray, God, for, for change tonight. God, for, for us to be able to hear your, 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 uh, your voice clearly. And um, God, I pray for conviction. Um, you know, because the thing is, you know, that there has to be a response to the reading of your word. But God, we love you and we thank you. Um, just uh, be with us now. Help us, help us to listen clearly and, and hear your hear your voice. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so, so we stopped with with looking at um, from last week. We stopped when by looking at the encouragement that Paul had for his church family, uh, which which um, which is the fact that the gospel was advancing despite his chains. You know, that the guards were being converted and that there were those who were uh, in, being encouraged by, by Paul. You know, the fact that he was being bold and sharing the gospel. That's an encouragement. I mean, when I hear stories of people of, you know, when y'all come to me and, and tell me, hey, I shared the gospel this week with somebody. And, you know, that encourages me, right? And so, and so just think about it. And, and this was like that times 10 because, you know, he's in jail. The, the, you know, I would not think of somebody sharing the gospel while being imprisoned. But here Paul was, and not only was he being bold and sharing the gospel, but that it was, it was taking a hold and it was advancing. That's, that's super encouraging. And so he was encouraging his, you know, his church family that, you know, with this fact. Um, and, 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 that, and there were those who were being encouraged by that, and, um, and they were actually sharing the gospel, right? With, that, with boldness, without fear. And so good things were coming out of the fact that Paul was in prison. And he then goes on to say that, that even though the gospel was being preached— there were some people who were preaching the gospel um, who were, who were uh, not motivated by a heart for those who were lost, but instead they were motivated by envy and rivalry. You see, there were those who saw Paul and the fact that he was known, he was loved, he was respected, he was admired, and, and, and they wanted that. You know, they, they, they wanted that. They wanted to be in the limelight. And so this was their opportunity because, because now Paul is in jail, right? He's, he's gone. He's gone. So now it's somebody else's turn. Hey, it's, you know, it's football season, right? Happy football season to you guys. Um, it'd be like if uh, Jameis Winston, right, the second-string quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, it'd be like if Jameis Winston 
rooted for Derek Carr, who is the Saints' starting quarterback, to get hurt, right? And then, and then if Derek Carr got hurt, you know, that was that was be given, uh, you know, Jameis Winston would be put in, and he'd be in the limelight, and he'd have, he'd be in the starting role, right? And he would get what he wanted. And um, it's, even though there's, like, no such thing as, like, a second-string second string, uh, preacher, really, but, but there were those here who, who took this opportunity to preach boldly simply to steal the limelight from an imprisoned Paul. And so Paul, you know, had, he said that there were some that were doing this, right? There were some that were doing this, but still others, um, you know, others were, were preaching out of goodwill, right? With a heart for the lost, you know, um, they were, they were preaching out of goodwill and with love for him and for his ministry and for God. And, and they were, um, you know, they were, they were partnering with him and sharing the gospel. And so you had a couple of different camps here of people. And, and by the way, we have the same, I mean, it, it's not that it's not different, you know, 2000 years later, you know, there are still preachers in it for, for the fame and the fortune, you know, the, and then there are those with authentic love for, for, uh, for God and for people, right? And, and, and then we get to our passages that we just read. So that Paul has said this in between kind of what we looked at last week and, and now this week. And now he gets to what we read earlier, verse 18. Paul says about these things, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false mo- motives or I can't say that word, from false motives or true Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. And there's that word, rejoice, or, you know, meaning to have joy. Here in Philippians, you know, the the use of the words joy and rejoice are used like in every few paragraphs. You know, that's why it's often called, you know, the the book of joy, right? Um, But but the joy it described, it, it doesn't vanish after your heart starts to beat normally again. Like it's not talking about a thrill-seeking type of type of feeling here. Rejoice, Paul says here, even when someone seeks to steal the limelight from you. Paul asked that question there at the beginning of verse 18. What does it matter? Like, you know, how, how am I supposed to respond? He's saying he doesn't really care about their motives, whether they're selfish or whether they're indifferent or or whatever, because every time one of them opens their mouth, you know what happens? Christ is proclaimed. The gospel is shared. And so he's just basically cheering them on here. Paul chooses to find joy despite his rivals, in the face of his rivals. Do you have a rival? Like, think about it. Think about it like, do you even know what a rival is, right? A rival is somebody who takes advantage of like of your downfalls and always seeks to kind of upstage you when given opportunity. I do. Or hey, or hey, hey, maybe you're the rival. You know, and you've built up some rivalry in your mind with somebody. Rivalry is born out of competition and comparison. You know, it's seeking superiority over somebody and really has no place in the life of a believer. And by the way, it definitely makes it harder to find joy. Paul is saying, who cares what their motives are? I'm choosing to find joy in the fact that the gospel is being preached. So go ahead and preach. Like Paul, you know, we need, we need to rejoice, you know, when Christ is being proclaimed. Obviously, if it's heresy or blasphemy, then we need to be like, hey, let's not share that on. But if Christ is being proclaimed, then we need to, we need to rejoice in that. No matter who is doing the proclaiming. Here's the thing, you know, I know, I know there are people in your life that you don't like. Because sometimes you tell me that. You tell me the people you don't like. You tell me things. And, and my answer to that fact is, you know, there, 
you know, there are those of you that you don't like, and what we should do with, with people we don't like is we should pray for them. Because Jesus calls us to love our enemies. You know, those we don't like, and if you're not doing that, then you're disobeying a command from Jesus, and that's on you. But I, I say that because usually there are those, and I know we do it because I've done it. You know, there are those that we can condemn for sharing the gospel with somebody or sharing their testimony. And the thing is, we know their sin baggage. You know, we know the things that they may say about people or they, the way they may, they may treat people. And, and uh, hey, that's on them. But I had to come to a place one day where, you know, there was somebody who I knew was living a double life. They were having one foot in the church, one foot out. And at the end of the day, I had to say, you know what? At least they're preaching the gospel. At least they're sharing the gospel. You know, God's going to take care of the other stuff. I promise you. He always does. But I rejoice in the fact that the gospel is being shared. Paul ultimately rejoices in all efforts to spread the gospel, even the ministries of his detractors. And we should too. So rejoice in spite of our rivals. Another way we can rejoice like Paul is to choose to have joy even when we face persecution for our faith. He says he will continue to rejoice here because why? Well, look at it. Because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So Paul was no stranger to persecution, right? Obviously, he's writing this in the midst of, of persecution. But, but also, the church was no stranger to, to persecution either. You know, many scholars believe that Paul was writing this letter in Rome around the time that Emperor Nero was beginning to toss followers of the way, or Christians, to ravenous lions for sport and, and burning them to illuminate his banquet halls. So the church was no stranger to persecution, right? But through it, right, though, though persecution was happening to Paul and to the church, Paul still chose to rejoice because he knew where his salvation was. In the Greek, the word used for salvation here is soteria, which means deliverance or, or rescue from danger. And his rescue would come by way of earnest prayers from his church family and through help from the Holy Spirit. And so how does Paul know this? Does he, does he just, is this just like a guess? Does he just have some type of inkling, hey, this is what's going to happen, or this is how, this is how I, my, my uh, deliverance will be? No, because the last time that he visited the church in Philippi, you know what happened? We were, it was funny because we were just talking about the book study we did in Acts way back when. Well, in, um, in Acts chapter 16, go read Acts chapter 16, it's amazing. But in verses 20 through, 22 through 28, we have the account of, of Paul in Philippi um, where he experienced a pretty amazing jailbreak. Where, uh, where, where the jail was broken, like literally broken, but the prisoners were not. And, uh, and it's, a, it's just a great account of, of God's faithfulness and his saving power. But, but Paul knew what prayer and the Holy Spirit could do in the midst of persecution. He had seen it firsthand many, many times. And, and by the way, we have these accounts. You know, so if, if you're sitting there like, how do I know God's got, you know, God's got my back? How do I know that, that um, you know, that, that he's got this type of power? Because we have personal accounts. We have the Bible. We can see it. But also we have, um, we have accounts in, in, you know, modern day times as well. Um, because around the world, there are those facing persecution for their faith. Um, but the power of the gospel still moves. Um, like this one, January 9th, 1985, which is before I was born, uh, Pastor 
Haristo Kulichev, a, congregation, a congregational pastor in Bulgaria, was arrested and put in prison. His crime was that he preached in his church, even though the, the state had appointed another man, the pastor whom the congregation did not elect. His trial was a mockery of justice, and he was sentenced to eight months imprisonment. By the way, this isn't like, you know, you think, oh, it's only eight months. No, it's, it's pretty rough. And, uh, and during this time in prison, he made Christ known every way he could. It says when he, uh, when he got out, he wrote, both prisoners and jailers asked many questions. And it turned out that we had a more f- uh, fruitful ministry there than we would have experienced in church. God was better served by our, pres- our presence in prison than if we'd been set free. How amazing is that? You know, we as 21st century Americans, we face little persecution today because of our faith. We truly do. And hey, I thank God for that. Now, that's a reason to rejoice. You know, I thank God for that fact that the most, you know, the, the, all the persecution, all the, the persecution that we face is maybe some rejection here and there. I'll be honest with you. If you, if, if you go out and you share, you share your, your faith regularly, you face little to no rejection these days. You really don't. Or we may face discomfort, Right? Awkwardness. By the way, God can use awkward to change lives. I wrote an essay about it at school. Um, uh, social persecution, which is nothing. Oh, hey, sorry, I'm not going to invite you here. Okay, I didn't want to go anyway. So, I mean, it's it's really not that big of a deal. We really we really don't face persecution in this country for sharing our faith, and that we can rejoice in. You know, even even though it is hard sometimes. By the way, hey, come Saturday, come to Econ, come learn how to share your faith without fear, please. But Paul was a big picture guy. You know, in the big, you know, in the big picture, you know, that when it came to persecution, you know, he understood he must be doing something right. You know, and, and, and really his, his words echo those of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, right, Jesus, uh, in verses 11 through 20, he, Jesus says, You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. And what's he say next? Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We are to rejoice in the face of persecution for our faith. See, Paul knew where his reward ultimately was. He knew where salvation truly was, and he chose to rejoice in spite of persecution. We as believers, we need to be big picture. We need to be big picture Christians. You know, what will it take for us to realize that persecution for our faith is a good thing? It's a good thing. You know what it takes? Changing the way we live our lives and living with a different mindset. You know, like truly living out our new mindset that we receive at the moment of salvation when we become a new creation. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. And because we're a new creation, we have a new mindset now, new motivations, new goals. Our desires are put to bed, and instead our desires are Christ's desires. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, So if you've been raised with Christ, meaning if you've, if you've experienced that gift of salvation, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul got that. He wrote it. <laughs> and those verses I just read came from Paul's other letters. So, so what can we learn then? What can we learn from this? 
Well, that joy is found when we understand the need to rejoice in the face of persecution. Choose to rejoice in spite of persecution. So, so we see from Paul what it means to have joy because he, he chose to have joy in spite of his rivals, right, that were seeking to outdo him. He chose to have joy in spite of being persecuted for his faith. And these, and these really are due to the fact that his life philosophy was different than a lot of people's. Look at verses 20 through 21. He says, My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by, le- uh, by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is a bold statement by Paul. And we're actually, we're going we're gonna to look at this more next week as well. But this is, this is Paul's win-win statement, right? This is his win-win statement. That for him, the eager expectation and the hope in it for his life is that no matter if he lives or dies, that Christ be exalted by his life. Because here it is. This is, this is his life philosophy. That if he lives, then he lives to glorify God by sharing Christ. By sharing Christ crucified. That, that, that is his life. If he lives, that's what he's going to do, right? And if he dies... And hey, you know what? He gets to be with Christ face to face. I mean, I mean, talk about big picture. Talk about big picture. This is it. And for us as believers, this is our reality. This is, this is joy. Paul chooses to see his life through the lens of what it truly means to be a follower of Christ, that, that you have a life with Jesus now and for eternity. So spend now sharing the good news of the gospel so others can have what you have. And here Paul was facing death, and yet he chose joy. Joy because he was with Christ either way. That's amazing. You know, death is usually something we rarely like to talk about. Raise your hand if you like to talk about death. Yeah, that's what I thought. Death is, it, I mean, death is, is something that we, we just don't like to talk about. And, you know, and, and I definitely get it. Most are scared to death of death <laughs> and dying. You know, the fear of death, it's up there with like public speaking and bugs. And I'm going to be honest with you. Death was a lot scarier when I was an unbeliever. Like a lot scarier. Now I know where my future lies. You know, I know where my reward is. And I know that one day I will be face to face with the one who came to earth to live and to die on my behalf. The one that was raised to life beating death. And as his adopted son, I now too share in that victory. I can rejoice in that. Can you? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight, God. I thank you for your word and for what it has to teach us about joy, true joy. God, joy only comes from you. And that's something our world desperately needs to hear and needs to not just hear, but needs to understand. And God, it's up to us as believers to share that truth, that happiness and joy are completely different things. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy lasts forever. And it only comes from you. And God, we have such a joyful message to share. Your good news. The gospel message that says you came and you, you came to earth simply for the sake to die. To die for humanity. To take on humanity's sin debt. To take it all on your shoulders and die a cruel death on the cross. And then for three days you died. You were dead. But, but the amazing thing happened when you rose again beating death, beating sin. And as believers, we get to share in that victory as well. And God, I pray that if, there's, if there are those who get to share in that victory tonight, that we rejoice, that we go into smaller groups, that we leave this place still rejoicing over that fact, 
that our reward lies with you. And God, there's somebody here who hasn't, who hasn't made that profession of faith, who hasn't yet become a follower of yours. And God, I pray that that can change tonight. But Father, whatever it is, God, I just pray that, that we can be obedient to what you're calling us to do. God, I pray for these small groups, that there can be some honest and, um, and great discussion that happens in them. God, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are, for everything you do for us. Be with us now in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all are dismissed to small group. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, our study tonight looking at joy and you know, and how to have how to have joy despite these these circumstances that we that we looked at, you know, um, you know, during rivalry. If you have a rivalry with somebody, how do you have joy despite that rivalry? You know, how do you have joy? Um, even when you're persecuted for your faith. And like I said, you know, we live in a country where uh, we are, there is no persecution, let's be honest. You know, we may face some type of social, um, you know, persecution. I don't even want to call it persecution. You know, some, some, you know, something uh, happens, you know, maybe sometimes uncomfortable, you know, more maybe discomfort, social discomfort. There you go. That's a good word for it. Sometimes social discomfort happens, you know, because of our faith or, um, or, you know, sometimes it, it, it happens when, um, you know, the, our circumstances, when our circumstances change, sometimes we can, you know, how, how can we have joy despite our circumstances? So, um, I truly hope that you took something away from this. You know, there were a few questions that our, our small groups went over, um, you know, talking about what it means to be ashamed of the gospel and then asking, Hey, have you ever been ashamed of the gospel? Um, that's kind of a hard one, isn't it? You know, because sometimes, you know, we could, we obviously as believers, we can say, oh, no, you know, I've never been ashamed of, of my faith. I've never been ashamed of the gospel. Um, but in reality, you know, have you? Because, you know, think about those times where you could have spoken up and, and, and either defended Jesus, you know, defended your faith or, or shared it in an act of boldness, but you didn't. Um, so what were the root causes of that? You know, because, you know, there's a root there, you know, as to why you did not um, actively share your faith or um, defend Jesus. And, uh, and then the other question, you know, how, you know, what, what could it look like for you to adopt the life philosophy of Paul? That for you to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, what would it take for you to, to have that same life philosophy there as Paul did? Um, you know, because that is a win-win situation that Paul is describing, you know. Um, you know, being able to live is Christ. Um, you know, to you, you your life is, is, is meant to be lived in Christ and lived out Christ. You know, living out the gospel message. By the way, that is something that is done joyfully. Um you know, so that is that is something living to to share Christ with others, and then dying, right? You know, like we don't talk like to talk about death, but but dying as believers, we you know that's a gain for us too. It's a win for us too, right? You know, because we get to be with Christ, we get to to worship Him face to face for all eternity. And so, um, you know, how would what would have to happen in your life to be able to live out and have adopt this philosophy? for your life. And actually, we're going to look about that. We're going to look at that more, um, next week. Actually, we're going to explore that, that, 
that that um, that passage, you know, to live as Christ and to die is gain. We're going to unpack that a little bit with the verses that come after. And I'm really excited about it. So I hope you come back next week um, for that. Remember, if you liked if you like this, if you enjoyed it, you know, like it, subscribe to it, share it with others um, that need to hear the word, that that want to grow in their faith, that want to be uh, refreshed. You know, we call our Wednesday night um, meetings Wednesday night refreshed for a reason, and that's so that we can be refreshed through the through the reading and studying of the Word of God together um, by worshiping Him. So yeah, so if there's somebody in your life that needs to be refreshed spiritually, then please share it with them. Like us, subscribe us, subscribe us, subscribe to to us whenever, uh, wherever you get your podcast. But guys, thank you so much, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. And I guess you know what you're you're dismissed. <laughs>